into the world the Lord is come let earth receive her King let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and nature sing and hand and hand and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ while fields and Joy, repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Joy, a seek of all joy, an overflowing well, no tongue can of His love and wonders, wonders of His love. Joy, unspeakable joy, in overflowing well, no tongue can our Savior today. Take a moment, greet somebody around you. Oh, come to us up. 
بسیره Well, good morning and welcome to Crossroads. My name is Luke. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, just really, really thankful that you're here. And if you're brand new, this is really important. If you're brand new with us, would you join us in the lobby? We have something to give you that is free. And every time I say that, it's like, really? No, it's free. Believe me. Come find us. We just love to connect you and, and just hear your story. Um, you know, this is exciting stuff here at Crossroads. We have a lot of really cool things happening. God's using our church in crazy, awesome ways, and we're thankful for that. One of the ways it's really cool is we have our dessert theater. We've had the last two nights, and tonight is the last night. It's called A Perfect Christmas. And the, hearing the stories, been talking with people and sharing hot chocolate next door and root beer floats, which I know seems a little ironic given the cold weather, but people are still eating ice cream in, in December. But uh, it's just been so fun to hear the stories. People have said, I've never seen something like this before. I, this is exactly what I needed to hear. And so... We just encourage you all, grab your neighbors or your family or yourself. And tonight, grab your tickets online. There's still plenty of tickets. And one of the, also the really cool things we have going on is we're doing a brand new series called Christmas in the Berg, right? Christmas in Pittsburgh. And we're connecting just the rich Christmas history of our city to the reality of the Christmas story. And so something as a way to encourage everybody to share, you know, not just when to come to Christmas Eve services, but encourage people to come to the church to hear this message of hope is we have these white boxes in the, audits, in the lobby. And if you walk out, we'll have our Route 56 students handing out, and you can say hi to them and grab a box or two. But put cookies in these, hand them to your neighbors, and just say, hey, we're glad that we're neighbors. Who doesn't want to receive a box of free cookies, right? Not many people. And so after that, you can say, hey, do you have a place to call home on Christmas Eve at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 5 p.m.? And there's a little flyer in case you forget. I'm guilty as well. You can hand them this flyer and say, hey, we'd love if you join us. Maybe come with me. You know, ride in our car or carpool, whatever it, you know, whatever it works for you. But maybe the best thing is that you just give them a box of cookies and just say, hey, I'm thankful that you're our neighbor. And sometimes the best sell is the unsell. You know? And so, just cool. Maybe you get to know your neighbors for the first time. But at this point, would you also pass the friendship folders? We'd appreciate that as well. Um, we, just the last couple of weeks, three or four weeks, have been talking about the birthday gift of Jesus. And Ken has some really exciting news we want to share with us this morning. We have two wonderful guests with us. So, Pastor Ken. We are thankful for our birthday gift to Jesus and uh, what's happening in the church here. Uh, we've been asking you to pray about your part, give more to Jesus than any other person on your Christmas list. And so far, our total right now is up sitting at about $23,000. Can we give God a hand for that? Isn't that exciting to see that amount come in? <clears throat> so if you're giving to that today and you'd like to give to the birthday gift to Jesus, please designate it. And these are gifts that we give over and above our tithes and offerings. So this is pretty exciting. Last year, we went well over the goal, and we'll see what God does this year. But today, I have two of our uh, great people that are on the birthday gift to Jesus list. This is Jeff and Arlene Berg. Would you welcome Jeff and Arlene Berg? Jeff and Arlene are, are missionaries to the Jewish community right here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, we are so thankful. We've supported them for many years. Since 1990, this church has been supporting them. I remember I had just come on staff as a youth pastor at that point, and, uh, and they were here as a guest, and we started supporting. And through the years, I've gotten to know them, and uh, they, on occasion, will invite me to a deli over in in Squirrel Hill, and we have a good time over there, but uh, they, uh, they are the real deer. I'm going to let them share a few thoughts here. All right. Thank you so much, and for your love, your giving, all these years, so that we can take the light of the world to Jesus, the, to the Jewish people. And we want to thank you for that note of encouragement also that you sent us. But Jesus said in John 8:12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but had the light of life. Jewish people will begin celebrating Hanukkah Tuesday night for eight days, but they will have no light because it's in Jesus the Messiah. But thank you so much for giving and for being part of this ministry for so many years so that we can take Jesus, the light of the world, to the Jewish people. One major light that we experienced uh, this past spring uh, it was our first Honor Israel night that we ever organized in Cleveland. We have one every two years in Pittsburgh at Grace Baptist Church, and it will happen on May the 6th. 
but this last May, the one in Cleveland was a was a, a milestone for us to have one there. But also, the uh, rabbi that we have always reported on many times uh, volunteered to be one of the guest speakers. And for the first time, his wife came and she entered a church. And you're probably thinking, boy, that's to be afraid to go into a church. What's wrong with that? But it's a, it's a big deal for somebody that's Orthodox Jewish. And she kind of came in with fear and trembling, not knowing what to expect. But he had been sharing with her every time when he's come to our Honor Israel Nights, you need to come, you need to come. And, and uh, finally she came. But as that program progressed and as it went on, she left. And it was as if the, or when she left, it was as if, as if the uh, Berlin Wall came down in her heart. And she just has radiated, just changed. Uh, with us, her whole demeanor, and it's just a, a real big thing. And uh, she calls us on a regular basis, and it's just so wonderful how God is working in that special life. And also, an, another lady that came who's just like her had the same experience, named Sarah. And uh, I'm also real proud to share that uh, this January 1st, Arlene will be selling. We'll be celebrating 45 years in the ministry, and she's been a she's been a real servant. And he's going to have 30. So Jeff <laughs> and Jeff will have 30 years. 30 years. Praise the Lord. Uh, all right. You know these folks are the real deal. They they have taken me over to some of their ministry areas, and uh, in addition to the deli, okay? They're, they've taken me to some of their ministry areas, and they go into these nursing homes, and I'll tell you what, the, the rabbi come over, and he talks to them, and, and he, I, I had a little time with the rabbi while I was waiting on them for something else, and the rabbi said, I love Jeff and Arlene Burke. And I thought, isn't that awesome? The real deal testimony that they, these people have out there, they are just being the light of Jesus. And they're showing them all these Old Testament verses where you can see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. And they're showing these folks how to, how to find the Messiah, how to find Jesus. And so I want to thank God for them. Don't you thank God for their faithfulness? 45 years, 30 years. This time, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. And then I'm going to ask Jeff if you'll pray over the offering. They're going to be teaching in uh, Roger Metcalf's class this morning. So I've got to get them on the road here, right? So God bless. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we love you and praise you. And Lord, we just uh, pray, praise and thank you, Lord, for just how you have blessed Library Baptist Church. We pray, Lord, that you will... Uh, bless the offering. We know, Lord, it's a, it's a, it's a part of worship, and we pray, Lord, that as each uh, gift comes, that uh, you will continue to bless this church, and most of all, that it would enlighten, enlighten the Lord Jesus Christ in all that He is, because it's His church, and we just thank you for this time in Jesus' name, Amen. Please stand as we continue to worship. 
sing choirs of angels, sing in exultation, sing all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest, oh come let us Christmas series, Christmas in the Berg. Uh, last week we started off sharing with you about some of the memories of Pittsburgh, some of the, the uh, iconic places in Pittsburgh at Christmas time. If you go down to Heinz History Center, you'll see those windows. That's a, that's a big part of Pittsburgh, those, uh, the Kaufman's window, gimbals and horns, but particularly known are the Kaufman's windows. And we started out last week talking about how that the how the windows told a story. So if you started in the first window and uh, you went to the second window, the third window, the fourth window, you got the whole story. But if you went to just to the fourth window, you, you got part of the story. You might have got the main line, but you kind of missed all the, all the back story. So this year, we're spending some time going through each window of Christmas. Uh, another, another tradition that I remember of Pittsburgh is the, uh, the it, it's, for, for me it's iconic, it's the parade. I, I mean, you say, well, what, what's the big deal about a parade? Well, it's a Pittsburgh thing, man. We had parade, there's a parade every year, it's, they call it the Christmas parade. Now, I think now, unfortunately, they call it the holiday parade, right? But it, it started out as the Christmas parade. This is a picture from 1956, the Christmas parade in Pittsburgh. And so you can just see Pittsburgh people have always loved coming out for these parades. Uh, the next picture is a, a more recent view of what the, what the parades look like. They're more televised. And, and so, like, I, I would take my family down. I would mandate it was going to be a fun day, right? 
hey, family, we're having fun. It's 12 degrees, but we're going to have fun outside, right? And so why would you go outside and have a, have a parade in 12-degree weather, right? So I'm buying hot chocolate for my kids. I'm giving them hot chocolate. They're sitting on the curb, freezing to death. And, uh, and my wife's like saying, will you please, can we just end this? We can go home. And I'm like, this is going to be fun, right? And so out comes every act, and you see all these local celebrities come through, and, and they're throwing candy to the kids, and there's clowns, and then there's holiday, you know, all the, you can see all the festivities of this nature, and, uh, and, and then, and then after the parade, you go, and we would go over to Kaufman's, this was our tradition in our family, we'd go to Kaufman's, and they had this, it was the children's very own shop, and so you go through, there was like a little door about this tall, and the kids could go in, and so I'll never forget the first time I took my kids, and I let them go in there, it was like Mr. Controlling Parent, and I let my kid go through that door, and they shopped. You know, they had 20 bucks, and it took them like an hour to come out. And they come out with those little, you know, those little gifts that they get, you know. And it's like this bracelet, and it's wrapped up. And mom saves those, and dad saves those, and we cherish those gifts forever. But that's part of our tradition, right? And, and, and as you look at it, light-up night is the week before. And then this is like the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and I started thinking, well, what's the big deal about it? Why, why do we celebrate Christmas? Do you know Christmas is the only holiday that we celebrate for like six weeks? Have you noticed that? Some of you put up your tree before Thanksgiving. Now, there should be a law against that, okay? The, I, I, you know, we, in our home, we, we're like the day after Thanksgiving, we can start to think about Christmas, right? Some of you put it up the day after Halloween, and, and we have counseling to help you, so it's okay. You know, that's a lot of, lot of time, but why, why do we celebrate Christmas for so long? Why do we put up a, uh, put up a tree? You know, I, I go out and I take this tree, and I, I, you know, 50 bucks, I get this tree in a stand, and it, you know, I got to feed it water every night. It's like, what is going on? We are celebrating. It's like, this isn't something that we just do for a day. As a matter of fact, you have Christmas and then you come Christmas Eve. It's the only holiday where we, where we celebrate the eve of the holiday. So it's Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, and then we, it's like the whole month. You go down Pittsburgh and you just see uh, fun thing after fun thing happening right now where you can look and, I mean, you just go downtown. It's, it's, there, it's Christmas everywhere. And I, I got to thinking about it. It's because we have a reason to celebrate. Um, the, the, the whole origin of the celebrating Christmas, we have a reason because of what it's all about. It's not about the Kaufman's window. It's not about the parade. Those are all fun things that we get to do as part of our celebration. And we take this whole month and we celebrate all month long. And, and it's like, man, for six weeks we're talking about Christmas. You're thinking about gifts. Uh, we're thinking about generosity. I'm excited about our church, what God's doing here with our birthday gift to Jesus. Uh, I thank God for your response so far and how that God's working on your heart. And you're opening and you're praying. You're saying, okay, God, if you provide this. Uh, a, a fellow in the foyer grabbed me this morning. He said, if God provides this, I'm going to give it. Now, he provided it last year. This year, it hasn't come yet. And I said, that's cool. You just keep praying. And we'll see what God does. And so he's praying, he's trusting God for, for his birthday gift to Jesus. And I thought, how exciting that is, that we can celebrate for a whole month long here. But at the, at the very center, at the very center of the, uh, the story of Christmas, is, is this, this thought of plans. And so we start out last week, we went back 2,000 years earlier, before Christmas, and we looked at the promise given to Abraham. And it was, a, it was a couple who wasn't sure that they were going to ever have a kid. And God provides them a child in their old age. So there was a promise that was given and a promise that was fulfilled. And it was, it, we said that it was like, a, like lighting a candle. And all throughout that lineage of Jesus, you could see the candle start to flicker. And you could begin to wonder, is it going to stay lit? Is God going to fulfill his promise? Well, today, as we move over to window number two, I want you to begin to think about this word plans. Do you have any plans? Do you ever make plans? How many of you have ever made plans and your plans got ruined? Raise your hand if you ever got ruined, right? Okay, everybody, right? You made plans and your plans got ruined. Uh, you know, I remember in some of those days of going down to the parade. You know, it was like we, we had so much going on here at the church. And I'd be like, I'm going to go to that parade no matter what. I'm going to get down to that parade. And what did I do? I, uh, I didn't get down. My wife ended up going down with the kids. She took her sister and went down. We had stuff going on. And I'll never forget, I was so frustrated. 
because my plans didn't come together. I had a family day planned, and it was going to be the best, you know? Kind of like uh, if you've watched in the play, you know, the dude with the clipboard. If you, you come see that guy tonight, yeah, I don't want to give away the story. But it's like that. You know, it's like I, I, I want it to be just right. And then his plans get foiled, don't they? And this happens in life. We start to make plans in life. And, and as we look in window number two, we're going to see Mary and Joseph. But I want us to start looking at them because I think sometimes we just skim the surface of these things. And we forget that their plans were totally changed. And the truth that I want to teach about this morning is this, is that just because your plans fall apart doesn't mean that you have to fall apart. It means that you can trust God. I think we have that on the screen, do we? If your plans, just because your plans fall apart doesn't mean that you have to fall apart. You can trust God. Would you read that with me? You don't have to fall apart when your plans fall apart. You can trust God. Every one of us are there in the midst of this, where our plans fall apart, where life, we set out, we charted a course, and we we said, this is what we believe we are going to do, and we're going to do it well, and then things happen. And when your plans fall apart, you don't have to fall apart. You can trust God. At the very center of the Christmas story is this word, peace, all right? This is at the very center of the Christmas story. And I want you to think about that because what did the angels say? When, when they announced the birth of Jesus, and we have the scripture there uh, from the book of Luke, Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And, and so, so as, we think about, as we think about the Christmas story, the very word is peace that should be at the center of the story, but yet the very word that is missing in most, many of our lives is this word peace. It's, it, it was for peace that God came. The whole Christmas story is the story of this God who left heaven to come and make peace for man. Uh, between God and man, there, there, was, there was a war between God and man. And God solved it whenever Jesus came and Jesus took on your sin. So that was, that was peace. That's peace with God. And then there's this, this peace of God. And so today I want us to think about this because there, there are, if we, if we look closely today, I'm going to give us three truths that will, if we, if we put all these truths together, we will have peace. And we will have peace in the center of, all, uh, while everything's going on, we'll have peace. And we're going to look at it, and I want you to think about it. There's three statements I'm going to give you today. God is, God is, okay? And then God is. And, and, and I, I pray that you remember these, and I pray that you that you take them to heart because without these three, this is like the triangle of truth this morning. And as we take this triangle of truth and we look at these, these basic truths that God gives us in the Christmas story, as, as, and we're going to pull these out of their lives, when we begin to put them into practice, we begin to really believe this, that's when we find peace. That's when we find the peace of God. There's peace with God and then the peace of God. So this morning, the first thought I want to give you is this, is that God is with us. God is with me. And, and we find that from, from Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And, uh, and you go over there, uh, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now this morning, as we think about this, I want you to think about the, uh, the plans that were messed up for Joseph. Here was Joseph, and, and, uh, and he was ready to have this baby. Uh, his his wife-to-be is going to have this baby. That was not his plan. Uh, sometimes we, we become so familiar with this story that we just we forget that, wow, there was these great details that, that we're kind of missing here. So Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. 
I want you to think with me about Joseph's plan. Joseph's plan wasn't to have Mary to have a baby before they were married. Did you catch that? Joseph's plan. They were betrothed to be married. So what that means, it was like an engagement. In in, in the culture that day, it was an engagement that, uh, it was an engagement more like a marriage. The only thing that was missing was the ceremony. So it was like they were committed. And to get out of a betrothal, you had to get a divorce. So this was like, this was some serious stuff. By the time you're betrothed, but there, there was no physical relationship during betrothal. So it was like whenever she came to him. Now, I just want you to imagine Mary telling Joseph um, this discussion. I'm pregnant. And Joseph, and, and, and she says, it's God's. And he's like, yeah, right. Okay? Yeah, right. I mean, this just doesn't happen, okay? It didn't just happen in those days, and it doesn't just happen today. This was a one-time event, that God chose to do something so special. But think of Joseph. Joseph's plans. What were his plans? To get married? To, to, to provide for his family? To think about where they were going to live? To think about how many children that they were going to have? I just want you to think about that because as, you're, as some of our newlyweds in the church and, and younger people, you're, you're, you're in that mode where you're thinking about setting out that course of life. And there was Joseph. He's setting out that course of life. And he's thinking, oh, man, this is the way it's going to be. I, I said earlier today, if, if it were in, in modern day, it would be like he'd be thinking about where his kid would go to school one day. He'd be thinking about the white picket fence around his, around his house, right? He'd be thinking about what kind of house. Is he going to have a ranch? Is he going to have a townhouse? What, what, what would it be like? And so all those type of things are in his mind. And Joseph now has this news that his wife is pregnant. And, and, the, and the talk around town is, yeah, right. Yeah, right, it's God's. Uh, you know, the whole thing comes into Joseph's mind. You know what had to come into Joseph's mind was unfaithfulness. And, and so here's Joseph, and he's dealing with this. And so no wonder an angel had to come and talk to him, right? I mean, th- this was some pretty big news. But his plans, I want you to think about his plans because his plans got messed up. This wasn't his plan. Now, now he's, he's living life, so he has this frustration. He has this tension of his plan not getting messed up. And not only is it getting messed up, not only is, his whole, is Joseph's whole plan getting messed up, but God did it. And when you think about that, I want you to start thinking about your life and your plans. And as you're looking at your life and you, you begin to say, man, uh, you know, my plans are falling apart. And when our plans fall apart, we don't have to. We can trust God because God is with us. You see, when we begin to believe this truth, God is with us, we have a subconscious thing that we, do, that we go through. We don't verbally say this, but we kind of believe this underneath, or at least I should say we act this way, react this way. When life doesn't go as I have planned it, God's not with me. And nothing could be further from the truth. We feel that way. We react that way. Whenever God, whenever life isn't going my way, whenever my plans aren't happening, whenever I'm not accomplishing what I thought I was going to accomplish, it shouldn't have went that way. Whenever we're in that situation, we subconsciously feel like God is not with me, that somehow God has abandoned me. And I want to give you the truth this morning. His name, Emmanuel, God is with us. He is with you. He's with you through every part of your journey. He's not left you. You you think it's been hard? He's been there with you. He has not abandoned you. God is playing out his plan, not your plan. Now, I want you to think about this because here was was Mary and Joseph, and they're reacting. They're they're dealing with it. There was another guy uh, around in the birth of Jesus. If you you, you look at a guy named Zachariah, Elizabeth and Zacharias, Uh, If you go over into Luke chapter 1, you can read about them. And you'll find out that he was a priest, kind of like a pastor, all right? And he prayed. He he prayed, he and his wife prayed for kids. I just just want you to think about that because I remember those days praying for our children, that God would give us children, that God would give us these children. And you pray and you pray and you pray and then God gives you this child. And that's what happens in in a certain season of life. But Zacharias and Elizabeth, they prayed and they prayed and they prayed 
And God didn't answer. And one decade passed and it didn't answer. And another decade passed and it didn't answer. And another decade. And as he gets on later into life, he's doing his religious activity in the, in the temple and he's lighting incense and you can just see him going about his daily business there. And an angel comes to him and the angel tells him, hey, God's fulfilling his promise to you. You're going to have a baby. And you're going to name him John. And that was John, the forerunner to Jesus. And, 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 and here's, what, here's how Zacharias, Zacharias responds, how can this be? And the, tone, and, the, and the tone of the language that he said there, he says, how can this be? Like, I doubt it. Like, it's like this. I prayed all my life and huh, I'm over that. My plans have changed now. I, I'm, I, I'm now older. I don't need to have kids now. And so all of a sudden, his plans have changed. And so you have two, two stories that are running simultaneous. It's, uh, it's kind of interesting that here, here was Mary and Joseph. They weren't planning to have a kid, and God gave them a kid from the Holy Spirit. And then here was, uh, here was, here was uh, Elizabeth and Zacharias. They had planned to have a kid. And then they got over their plan because they thought God was saying no. And then God says, all right, I'm going to give you, a, uh, give you a child. And so you have all this tension. Everybody's plans are messed up. So as we look at number, window number two today, I want you to see everybody's plans are messed up. But whose plan was not messed up was the plan of God. God was enveloping. He was opening the plan. He was unfolding this plan that would change the world, that would save the people of their sin. God is with me is our first thought. The second thought here, the second truth is that God is guiding me. God is my guide. God is guiding me. And so and when you start to understand that how he's guiding you, it changes everything. Now look here in Matthew, Ma- Matthew chapter 1, verse 19. Then Joseph, uh, then Joseph, her husband, Mary, Mary's husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So while he's stewing over this, and I've read some extra biblical material that says that, that there was possibly a, a, an amount of time between the time that Joseph knew about this and the time that, that the angel appeared to him. So just imagine the, the anguish and the torment that he's in. And, and, and the angel comes to him saying, Joseph... Son of David, so here he is of the lineage of the house of David. He says, Do not be afraid to take Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, I I tell you, you would have to have an angel to give you that news, wouldn't you? God would have to have to come down and catch your attention, and he did. He catches Joseph's attention, and and he says this, and this was from God. Verse 21, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And now Joseph, now Joseph's being talked to by the angel. He's seeing the bigger picture. But for a moment there, for a while, his plans were being rocked, and yet God was having some greater plan that he was about to show them. Ephesians 3.20 tell us that we can pray to the Lord and we can uh, ask upon him because he gives exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. This is what was happening in Joseph's life. Joseph's praying and he's wanting to be a God-fearing person. He's trying to live, live his life righteously before the Lord and then his plans get rocked. And God says, let me show you something, Joseph exceedingly abundantly above what you could ask or think. I have a plan. Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And he's quoting from Isaiah here. You know, Isaiah said this 700 years earlier. And here's Matthew. Matthew says, this is what the prophet says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall, shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused, being awakened from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Do you see what he did? God was guiding him. The the angel came. The angel spoke to him. God was guiding him. And you know, God guides you today. 
God is still, and if we take this foundational truth, life is crazy out there, folks. It is absolutely crazy. I will agree to that. But you can have peace when you have this triangle of truth. When you put these, these three truths together, you, you start to surround yourself with the truth of God. God is with us. God guides us. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. And here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. Do you know that you have a way to do things, don't you? You, have, you know how to develop plans. You know how, to, you know how to make things happen. God give you a brain. You're supposed to use it. And it's a good thing. But he says here, trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, in everything you do, acknowledge God and he will direct your path. You see, that's what happened here for Joseph. Joseph acknowledged the Lord and God guided him. And God said, I want you to do the next thing. I want you to be obedient. And do you realize in your life, that's what God wants us to do. He wants, he wants you to take some steps of obedience. He's guiding you. He's giving you this incredible book, his word. Uh, as you open this book, it, there, there's everything that you'll need in here for guidance. Uh, and and he, he will open and close doors. And he says, look, I just want you to follow me. And you know what happened? Just think about this. Had Joseph not followed God, what would we be talking about today? Whose name would have been in place there? If Joseph, God, God tapped Joseph on the shoulder and said, I want to use you. I want to, I want to do something through you. I, 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 your name, you know, basically, he's, his name's going to be great. And listen, every year in December, from the, from the end of November all the way to the end of December, you think about Mary and Joseph. And the whole world thinks about Mary and Joseph. And the light is shining on Israel right now. And everybody's going to be thinking about Bethlehem. And look what God's done. God did something far greater than what Joseph could imagine. Imagine if Joseph didn't go along with the program. He trusted the Lord. He acknowledged him. And I love it because the verse says there that he did. He obeyed. He did what God told him to do. And I want to encourage you this morning to to look at your life and think about your life in these terms because God is with us. God guides us. And even though I think so many people have made a profession of faith. Maybe as a small child, you made a profession of faith. And, uh, and over the years, you kind of took it to mean this. I'll trust God to fulfill my plan. We don't come out and say that. But whenever things aren't going our way, man, we're really mad at God. When things aren't going our way, we, get, we, we really don't understand him, right? And he says, just trust me. And, 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 you know, it's okay to make plans. Proverbs 16.9 says that the mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. The mind of man. God's given you a mind. You're supposed to make a plan. I hope that you have a calendar. I hope you have a Google calendar, whatever it is that you use. Use your day timer and, and plan out your day. Plan out your week. Plan out the month, the year. Give yourself a couple year goals. But at the end, it is God who directs. And when God comes onto that calendar and he changes your calendar, remember, he gave you the mind, he asked you to plan. But you are according to his plan. And let him make the changes that he needs to make. James said it well in the book of James chapter 4, verse 13. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to do a certain, going to Go to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. Verse 14, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while. Then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans and all such boasting is evil. I've gotten around people who shared with me their plan and and they will die. They will do everything to control their plan. And at the end of the day, James tells us here, whenever we are boasting about our plans, when we're making it without God, in other words, here's what happens. It's evil to boast about our plans because I'm putting myself in the control position. 
I'm putting myself in the God position. And, and James is telling us, he says, take yourself out of the God position. Come back to God and put him in control. And, and, and here's, how you, here's how you go through life. Uh, according to whatever the Lord wants, we're going to go for it tomorrow. Uh, you know, if somebody asks you, you're going to come back here today. I remember my grandmother used to say that all the time. Lord willing. Lord willing, right? And, and I would say, what is she talking about, you know? As a little kid, I didn't understand that. Well, there it is. If the Lord wills it, we'll do it, right? So as you're making your plans for your life, well, if God allows us, we're going to take Finleyville for Jesus Christ. You see? We got plans. But if God doesn't allow it, we're going to be happy with whatever God allows. Because he's in charge. God is with us. God is my guide. And then lastly, God is for us. God is for us. God is for me. And I want you to think about that because I, I hesitated to put that in print when I, when I say that God is for me. Because here's the truth. God was not created. You were created. And you were created for God. But I want you to understand how much God is for you. And here's the verse, and I love this verse. This is probably my favorite verse in all of the Bible. I mean, how can you have a favorite? They're all so many are so good, right? But this, this just speaks volumes to me. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Do you see who he's for? He's for you. Christ died for you. Um, he demonstrated his own love. Now check this out. When, when, that, when he says he demonstrated, all throughout the Old Testament, if you go and you read from Genesis all the way to the end of Malachi, and you read all that, you will see so many displays of God's love. You will see him talking about love. You'll see pictures of God's love. You'll see things that he told him to do. He says, never forget how much I love you. The, the Jews had a term. It was called hesed love. And hesed love was like this deep, intimate love. And, and they understood their God to have this hesed love for them. It's like this unconditional love that God had for his people. It was an intimate term. And, and, and so, so the people of Israel, they, they heard this over and over and over. But God kept making these promises. And may I say this, that as God went throughout the whole Old Testament, it wasn't enough to just send another prophet. Look what he did. He demonstrated his own love. God the Father leaves heaven. God the Father sends God the Son. God the Son leaves heaven, comes to this earth. And, and you're saying, oh, this is so wonderful. And I'm saying, are you kidding me? For God to leave. I mean, this, Jesus was present at creation. He leaves heaven and he comes down in the form of a baby, in the form of a human. And he's lying in a manger and he's saying, Mama, Dada. He has to cry whenever he needs milk. He grew, you know how I know that? Because Luke 2.52 says that he grew in wisdom and stature in all points like we did. So he developed. And, 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 here we, and you say, wow, th this little baby did this? He, he learned how to say dada. He learned how to say mama. He learned how to, how, to, how, how, to, how to cry for milk. And it's like, wow, that is so humbling. He didn't lose his godhood because he did that. It was because he was God that he could do that. And he comes down and he lays down his life. Uh, he, he comes in a manger and he lives this perfect life. And as he grows up, he goes all the way to the cross and God demonstrates his own love for you. He sends his son from heaven to pay for your sin. Could there be anything greater? He is for us. The Apostle Paul goes on in Romans 8, 28. He says that all things work together for good to those who are called according to God's purposes. For God is working his plans in your life. All things God works together for your good. Wow. God's developing his plan in your life. And if you will take these three thoughts, God is with us. Listen. I know this holiday season is tough for many. 
from Thanksgiving till the first of the year can be one of the toughest times for people that are facing loss. Maybe you've lost a family member recently. It is a, a paramount. It was, it, this is a hard time for you. Uh, you. Maybe you've lost a relationship. Uh, you, you look at all these things. Maybe you're in loss of job, loss of income. You look at all these areas right now and you see all these things that God is dealing with you. He's helping you. I want you to understand that God is with you. God has not abandoned you. He is there every step of the way and he will not leave you. Hebrews 13.5 I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we got to remember that. And you know what? I think many of us have believed the lie that because my plans fall, fell apart, God's not with me. That's a lie. Don't believe a lie. Believe what God said. He, he, his very name, Emmanuel, God with us. God is your guide. You don't know what to do. Things are in trouble. Things are hurting. You've got all kind of pain happening in life right now. Acknowledge your ways. Acknowledge, acknowledge him before the Lord in all your ways. Acknowledge him. Come before him and say, God, I just need you. He'll direct your path. He'll give you the steps to take. Some of them may be hard. He's going to give you the steps. And then God is for me. Understand how much that God is for you. God is, is so for you. It's incredible. Uh, he has given his life for you. He, the Bible tells us that he thinks good thoughts about us constantly. Do you know, I don't think good thoughts about myself constantly. And probably neither do you. But God is thinking good thoughts about his children constantly. Now, I, that, that is mind-boggling to me. I, I, I can't even comprehend it. How the God could be thinking good about me whenever I can't even think good about me. But that's the kind of God we have. And maybe you grew up in a home where people were always raising the bar so high you could never jump through it and, and life was so painful. God says, listen, I'm there. I'm for you. I'm for you. It's bound prayer this morning. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. That's, that's the invitation for everybody this morning. Come to Jesus. Uh, will, you, will you take the triangle of truth and, and apply it that God is with you? That God is your guide, he guides you, and that God is for you. Would, would you take that and surround your mind? Because right now your mind is under attack. You're feeling weird things about Christmas right now. It's not the same as it used to be. The kids are older, it feels different. And Would you surround your mind with, the, with that truth that God is with us? That God will guide you and God is for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you've not started a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I invite you to do that today. You say, well, Pastor Ken, this is all new to me. I'm, all, I'm a little bit, I don't understand everything. It, it's okay. Open your heart to Jesus today. And if that's you, I want to encourage you just to quietly pray something like this to God. Just pray before him. Say, God, quietly in your heart, just tell him, dear God, I, I need you. I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. And I need a Savior. And I understand today, Lord, that you came to this earth and you demonstrated your love for me. Not only were you born as a baby, but you grew up and lived a perfect life. And you were the sacrifice for my sin on that cross. Thank you for dying for my sin and for coming back to life again. I invite you into my life right now. And for others in this place this morning, maybe God's dealing with you. Maybe something we shared this morning about God's character because he's with you, he guides you, and he's for you. Maybe God's meeting you in a, in, a, in a tough moment right now. I want to encourage you to surround yourself with the truth of who God is. Lord, be with our people as we respond to you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our closing song.
ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, O come ye, O come.